0: Thank you very much. Welcome to the Late Show coming live to you around Australia on the ABC. And how much does it cost our viewers these days? Eight cents a day. And we promise you will be getting your eight cents worth tonight. Eight cents of entertainment coming your way. Not a cent more, not a cent less. Eight cents.
1: Thank you to the entire cast of Channel 9's New Faces Discoveries for collaborating together for our very <laughs> special theme and welcome to episode 9 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt and joining this podcast today is in alphabetical order, Allison, Daniel, Kim and Prue. Yeah. And we're up to episode 9, how about that? Yeah. Almost up to double digits. And because of that, this will be the final episode of 2020. So we will we hit the double digits next year. We're all well, we're all happy, and uh, we've all had our dosage of uh, The Late Show, really, for this uh, <laughs> podcast. Or otherwise, we wouldn't really be here.
2: In lieu of a vaccine, I have watched episode nine of The Late Show. Yes. <laughs> That'll protect you. <laughs> if, I will. If, if I stay inside and continue to watch The Late Show, I will not get the coronavirus.
1: Now, I will have to say one thing, that very special audio snippet at the very beginning was, well, that was Kim. Kim, (laughs) would you like to explain it?
0: Oh, yes. So that was my friend uh, Kuneo and I. Kuneo was also a very obsessive Late Show fan, and she had entire books of transcripts handwritten from the episodes, and from that particular book, uh, we were reading a sketch from The Late Show, intro, Mick and Tony. I can't remember who was who. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I found that video a couple of years ago, and it's from 1994, so that was still a couple of years after um, The Late Show started. We were still obsessively listening and recapping and memorising and acting out bits all throughout high school and beyond, and even even today. <laughs> so, but what's, I think I'm not the only one. There was a member of the forum who who joined recently who mentioned how they are still acting out sketches 27 years later.
1: Hey, we all did that. I did that in yeah. school when I would just do random quotes from The Late Show, and people or all my other classmates would just go, "What the hell are you on about?"
3: I'm I'm still doing it on Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> I love how hardcore. That uh, that is videoing yourselves doing uh, the Campanioni monologue, and I think
0: uh, we were fairly quiet. Maybe we just didn't want anyone upstairs to hear us.
4: They're strange, <laughs> strange ladies. Like we're doing something ladies.
5: extremely nerdy. Please yeah. lock it down. <laughs>
4: exactly.
2: <laughs> Eight cents a day. Like no one understands. Uh.
4: Do you
2: reckon there? Is- these days on like instagram or tiktok who are acting out you know last saturday's saturday night live sketches or something like that oh yeah well there was a tiktok sensation who just used to mime uh
5: scomo's press conferences and she became yes. like tiktok famous
3: <laughs> yeah per- perhaps we should set a, a new trend of of uh miming uh, old uh, dj and stuff
5: <laughs> yeah it's Tommy G at the news desk.
1: <laughs> well, I, I live not far from Movie World on the Gold Coast and the amount of times I've been tempted to go and stand under the sign and just say wheelchairs and strollers at oh, the entrance.
5: I, I definitely did that in 1993. And the funny thing is that I was there sort of recently, like maybe a couple of years ago. And I was trying to tell my kids about it, which of course is insane. You know, they don't have any of the reference material. Why would they laugh at wheelchairs and strollers? Anyway, as I was telling my kids, <laughs> I saw someone else do it who was about my age,
0: and I
4: went, oh, yes.
0: brilliant. Yay. brilliant.
1: Champagne <laughs> comedy.
0: Champagne comedy. <laughs> Did you go up to them? No,
5: I was just <laughs> admiring from afar. <laughs>
1: Back to your video, Kim, um, and because that actually went out on Twitter, uh, because a Twitter follower, Happy Slasher, mistook Alison in regards to talking about Jane and Tommy G with a little bit of a love nest going, which didn't really happen, and it was more or less a cover-up from Rob, and you <laughs> sent out that video, and Jane was part of that Twitter...
2: Yeah,
0: she she replied and said, this is gold and had a whole load of happy emojis after that. So that was good. I actually did meet Jane a couple of years ago. It was during the uh, Kennedy Malloy's long lunch and I was invited to go there. And I went with Kenio. That was the first time that she'd been out since she had her baby. So there was unlimited booze there and we had all our late show paraphernalia. We had the folder from school and the DVD that they signed and my copy of Who Weekly from 1992. And she was like, whoa (laughs) (laughs) she was probably thinking that Um, but she happily posed for a photo with us and and Mick as well so that was good being able to to meet them finally
1: and that flashback is on the Champagne Comedy website so if you go there and check out the news you'll see the article there so before we get into season 1 episode 9 of The Late Show, Daniel what was happening in the TV guide back in that time of
3: 1992 yeah okay so Again, Saturday night is basically movie night on all the commercial channels and SBS. Uh, so on uh, Channel 7, uh, we had uh, Dirty Dancing. Can you tell him from Adelaide? <laughs> <laughs> Not dancing, dancing. Um, and uh, Ross Warnocky puts his little um, comments next to all of the listings on a Saturday in the Age. So... Uh, he's very kindly labelled Dirty Dancing as a 1987 dance floor melodrama. In <laughs> story pitched squarely at teenagers about a girl, Jennifer Grey, who falls for a resort hotel's dance instructor, Patrick Swayze. Then over on Channel 9, we've got uh, a film from 1998... Sorry, 1988. Wouldn't, wouldn't be from 1998. That's a bit weird. It's called rent cop uh, the first of an uninspiring Burt Reynolds double bill. Uh, the other one was uh, Hooper from 1978. He plays a Chicago detective suspended after a drug bust goes wrong. Everyone except him is killed. Uh, then he and a prostitute, Eliza Minelli, learn, uh, sorry, team up to track down the man really responsible for the carnage.
2: Doesn't that sound interesting as a plot?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm just... Especially Eliza Minelli as a, as a yeah. uh, lady of the night.
2: Yeah. Do you want an hour with me? <laughs> 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 that, that I'm sure was her pickup line. <laughs> <laughs> then over on
3: Channel 10, we've got a James Bond uh, movie, but uh, probably not one that's. I don't think this is part of the canon. Uh, Never Say Never Again from 1983. That's canon. That's yeah. canon. Yeah. Is it? Uh, anyhow, uh, Warnicky says uh, that it's Sean Conroy's first 007 movie in more than a decade. In a rehash of the thunderball plot, Uh, Bond must stop Spectre from detonating two stolen nuclear missiles, which it is using to blackmail the West. Over on SBS, we've got a 1950 British thriller called The Dark Man. Uh, Police are mystified, uh, perhaps flummoxed, uh, by a series of murders in a seaside resort, uh, with Edward Underdown, whoever he is. And last of all, we've got the ABC... So uh, two episodes ago, we had uh, the last episode of uh, Smith and Jones. Last episode, we had, uh, well, nothing because the last show was early because we had Stomp'Em Ground. So this week, we've got a brand new lead-in. And unfortunately, it's still not Birds of a Feather. I kind of want to see if you can maybe guess what it is. Um, first of all, it is British. Um, any guesses from that? Alexi Sales stuff. Oh, you looked it up, didn't you?
5: No, I didn't. I just kind of remember that it was on.
3: <laughs> yes, it is uh, Alexi Sales' uh, stuff, which um, uh, it's the third series from 1991. Um, and it's sort of, uh, it's mostly a sketch comedy, but also with stand-up pieces to camera that Alexi would do. And it it's might a great be experience. not a bad lead-in to The Late Show, really.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just such a, it's one of my favourite series of that era. Alexis Hale's stuff, it's it's really, really funny. And I've actually been watching it recently in lockdown and, and it's stood up incredibly well. So dig, dig out your VHS copies or, or your DVDs and, and enjoy Alexis Hale's stuff, I would say. I will say that
3: there's, there's not too much of season three um, up on the YouTube, but um, there's a fair bit of season two uh, which starts off with the premise that Alexei Sale is really a uh, Mickey Mouse-style cartoon character who's been, yeah. uh, you know, who's been animated for 50 years, <laughs> uh, starting, with, um, starting with Steamboat Fatty. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not a bad lead-in with Alexi Sale. And then after the late show at 11 o'clock, the uh, highlights of the week's events in federal parliament, uh, the high-rating order in the House. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, and then uh, at midnight, Rage with uh, guest programmer Henry Rollins.
1: Ooh. Thank you very much for that, Daniel. And let's get into Season 1, Episode 9 of The Late Show, broadcast on Saturday, September 12, 1992. Now, we have a very odd opening. It's pretty co- pretty much cold, and it's Tony apologising for Mick not being around due to, quote, contract negotiations, unquote. Uh and shows uh, a photo of Mick in a very reflective mood where it's (laughs) that's pretty much a page out of his Mick 1993 calendar.
2: It's a fart lighting photo.
1: And uh, Tony warns that his grandmother will be replacing Mick and it's the lovely Myrtle Woods. I mean, no, it's Tony's real grandmother.
3: (laughs) Tony says that Mick won't be taking part due to a breakdown in contract negotiations. I couldn't find anything that could suggest that that was inspired by something in the news or anything in real life. Like,
2: does anybody have any connections? Well, I, well. I wondered that and I couldn't think of anything.
1: The only thing I could think of really is maybe Steve Weizard, because after a while, after his like first year or so, then he only started doing four shows a week and that's when every Friday you had a different guest. Maybe oh, Richard it, Stubbs. Yeah, yeah, Stubbsy, Cameron oh, Dado. Yeah. Uh, aggro at one stage.
5: <laughs> Maybe that is it, yeah.
1: I'm not sure when that part of Tonight Live started to happen where he started giving up on Fridays. After Tony mentions about his grandmother replacing Mick, we have the opening titles, then the opening remarks with Tony and grandmother Mick. And they, do, sorry, I did quotation marks again. Oh, I've got to stop doing <laughs> it. It's a podcast, not. <laughs> and all of the Tony, all the Tony and Mick sparkling repertoire jokes are falling flat as they were built around Mick, such as, uh, you know, Tony's a bit depressed because his girlfriend left him for a Tontine pillow, and <laughs> no,
5: the body pillow. Oh, the which, body pillow. Um, yeah. yeah, they were a pretty amazing thing when they came out.
1: And Tony has a new book inspired by Wes Wally called Wes Salman, and you have his grandmother showing the book, and it's in regards to Salman Rushdie suddenly going into hiding at the time.
3: Hours of fun for kids and Muslim extremists alike, to as Tony says. I, I quite like the repartee between uh, Tony and Myrtle because uh, I think I think Myrtle lives a, a fair bit and sort of you know notices uh, how Tony says that uh, she looks different and you know could be a haircut and. <laughs> gives a nice little,
2: oh, I say,
3: <laughs> which just absolutely cracks the, uh, the audience up.
2: She's very charming, isn't she, Myrtle Woods? I think she really charms the audience into kind of going with her on, on something where, yeah, as you think, some of the jokes do fall a bit flat and they do fluff a bit.
3: I also like uh, how Myrtle pulls out one of uh, Mick's lines, uh, well, I'm not here for a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very warm and friendly coming out of uh, the mouth of a grandmother.
1: So we at the news desk with Tommy G, and here we go. Canberra Prime Minister Paul Keating greets South Korean Trade Minister in a mischievous mood with, you know, hand scene, hand buzz up, and but refuses to fall for the whoopee cushion when Keating offers him a chair. So two visual jokes. Princess of Wales celebrates 100 days of not being in public with her husband. Oh God, that that, that calls for a and. She's cutting a cake, which says, congratulations, squiddy. Squidgy. <laughs> referring to a uh, squidgy gag, which is the taped conversations. And Australian Paralympian thrown out of the Olympics after allegations of cheating and footage of someone on an electric wheelchair.
3: <laughs> Not a bad um, uh, gag, that one. Gets a little bit of a ooh, but I think uh, Tommy
1: kind of gets away with it. Uh, now for a serious right. top of mode, Massacre in Siski and the worst ever since Gareth Evans' last visit. Yep. <laughs>
3: yeah. Deserves
1: yeah. that. Yep. South African President F.W. de Klerk uh, goes on the news desk via satellite with a response to the massacre, saying that they deserved it. And would you like to know what the F.W. stands for?
5: <laughs> yeah, that, I love that bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love they the love that whole... <laughs> <laughs> I love that whole bit where um, Rob goes, you twist, you, you put facts in the story.
2: Yes.
4: <laughs> rugby
2: tours, rugby tours. We must continue to have rugby tours. There's <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> I was really lines in this sketch that I remember, but also it was on the videos, I think, this sketch, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, this one yeah,
1: gets quite a lot. It
3: got it got slight. Well, yeah, it got slightly cut off at the end because on on the uh, best of video it ends with would you like to know what FW stands for and Tom saying no idea, but uh, on on the actual tape, uh, it actually extends a bit uh, with uh, Rob as the clerk saying. The second word is wit, the first word you have to beep out.
5: Yeah, that was quite funny. (laughs) I can actually remember watching this. Like, I have a really vivid memory of watching it at the time. And when Rob says, Whites, Jungle Bunnies, Jigaboos, I can remember, Mm. like, my family sort of screaming out loud, like, Oh, you know, that shock of like that laughter that's just like, What did he just say on national television? Yeah, you're not
3: supposed to say that. (laughs)
5: But I, Yeah, I think it's sort of, it is a very funny thing to say in the context of how he's saying it, but it's a shock, definitely.
1: That's a lot of the everything's in context and product of its time all over again.
3: <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Uh, now, also, does anybody know what FW actually stands for?
2: Well, it.
4: <laughs>
2: I, I'm going to go with like Frederick <laughs> like Walter or something like that.
4: Oh,
3: close. Uh, Frederick Willem. Ooh, of course. Yeah, it so, would be so, very so dark, there you go. There you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. Frederick Willem. All right. um,
3: I I also like how at the end um, Tom looks up, uh, possibly to some sort of a monitor to sort of check whether Rob is off screen at right at the end. A very subtle thing, but I just... I think it's, again, because Tom's playing silly buggers with that... Uh, <laughs> what does FW stand for, wine
1: Well, the fighting continues in Bosnia, and it's autumn. And they show a footage of a man chopping wood for supplies, and then footage of a bu- <laughs> building burning. And, yeah, this is very <laughs> visual, so I'm going to just skip this one. So it was in regards to... It's just war-torn, um, fire, and stuff. It's, this one's really hard to explain.
3: The only joke I like out of this is... Uh, Tom's saying that Serb forces uh, are agreeing to hand over all heavy weapons to UN peacekeepers, but uh, in the form of firing them off. So mortar shells, bullets, yeah. missiles. And yeah, it's just, it's it's very serious war footage. I'm, I'm amazed at how, well, I'm assuming mostly Tommy, uh, but I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed at how they're able to um, spin jokes out of serious
1: war footage. you got to give them credit for it, like, what they tried to do at the time.
0: Have we got the sound for that? Product of its time. Oh no! <laughs>
1: we'll have to save that, that. That there's a whole new. <laughs> we've got a new champagne comedy podcast for next year, two where it's going to be sound effects galore.
3: <laughs> if, if we're not careful, we're going to turn this into a drinking game, you know. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah. Don't make me press the Warnicky or Fidget buttons. <laughs> Now to Canberra, and Canberra are to decriminalise smoking and possessing marijuana. People being caught won't be charged or appear in court, but may be forced to appear on Supermarket Sweep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did anyone look up Supermarket Sweep episodes after watching this? Because I did.
1: Good old Ian Turfey.
2: Yeah, I
0: used to I watch that.
2: it. I into my brain from, from the yeah. 90s. I used yeah. to watch it. No need yeah, to oh yeah, I, I used <laughs> to like watching it as well, but I,
0: I didn't realise just how daggy it was. But it was—it's a lot of fun, and you learn a lot about groceries.
1: You always go for the nappies; they're the most expensive. Yeah,
3: nappy. yeah nappy. nappies, baby formula, uh, big packs of detergent. I—I I, I know most of this, um, not not from watching the Australian version with Ian Turpie, um, but uh, there's a a game show channel called Buzzer. Um, it's uh, B U double Z R without the E, uh, which plays a lot of episodes of the US version, with uh, hosted by David Ruprecht. When you're in line at the supermarket and you hear the beep, think <laughs> of all the fun you could have on Everybody super
5: Supermarket. B- swing. B. All this talk is reminding me of the scene in The Castle where Sophie Lee loses uh, on The Price is Right because she didn't know the price of a luggage. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well see this this is the other thing like i'm thinking i would be absolutely crap on prices right or supermarket suite because i hardly ever buy anything full price i wouldn't know the regular price of anything yeah. like it's, it's mostly stuff on special or stuff with that reduced for quick sale sticker on it and if you shop at Aldi, you just need to know the price of skis <laughs> and
5: caramels uh, that you can build yourself.
1: To Victoria and in, an investigation into the collapse of the Tri-Continental Bank, former director Ian Johns, Santo, joins Tommy in the studio to not answer any questions.
5: I love this bit. It reminded me of um, like a university sketch, you know, like it was It was just, you. Yeah. I'm not answering
2: a question. That's a question, you know, it was very childish. It was great.
3: Very
2: it's well written. though. to have a to have someone join Tom on the news desk, particularly Santo. I don't think Santo's ever been in the news desk, or or ever is it in it again? I think. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe we have seen him, but I can't
1: remember it. Well, he does appear again later on, but I think it might be a pre-recorded bit.
5: In the news desk,
1: spoiler alert. Also,
5: I I know this is harking back to our um, scintillating conversation about interest rates in the 90s,
1: but.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no,
1: no. Flashback time.
4: (laughs) Well, it's got us (laughs) excited.
5: But um, they often bring up, like, the Pyramid Building Society crash of this time, and it was a very, I suppose, specific to Victoria. But I do actually know people who lost their entire life savings in this particular Building Society crash. So it was tragic. Like, yeah. it was a horrible, horrible thing.
1: Didn't this cost Jane Kerner a lot?
5: Yeah, because
1: I, I think the slipper.
5: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, cause later on, um, they say, "Oh, thanks oh. for getting Jeff Kennett elected," and uh, no. I think that's actually what happened.
3: Yeah, and and yeah, not not very good publicity because um, there was a Victorian state election campaign happening at the time of this episode as well. So yeah, not a good look.
1: No. To wrap up the news desk, we have the music news with lost Beatles songs found lying around in studio vaults. They weren't released as they were experimenting with a fifth Beatle, Frank, and there's Santo playing the accordion.
2: <laughs> I enjoyed this.
5: Yeah, I want to hear more from Lost Beetle Frank.
2: He <laughs> looks a bit like
0: uh, Frank Spencer, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> have
1: so after the news desk, we had a quick little bumper promoting shit scared, and that's Rob and Mick, quote, Mick, <laughs> which is uh grandmother forward promoting the upcoming stunt.
3: A great little stunt, uh, which uh, unfortunately we don't see uh, 23 buses on a motorcycle.
1: <laughs> no, we don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably not as dangerous, though, as, as the sort of earlier trailed version of Shit Scared, where the Shit Scared team goes shopping with Jeff Fennec, which is a reference a... <laughs> throughout this
1: episode the next sketch is and they rehash the Inappropriate Love Songs with 20 Inappropriate Love Themes Volume 2
3: and uh, they've they've got a lot more in this sketch too they they make it up to 13 so yeah kicking things off uh, well actually it's technically 14 I didn't note this one down but um, from the sketch I remember it starts off with the start of Love's Theme by um, the Barry White Orchestra no, was it Love Unlimited Orchestra? Someone help me out here. Uh, Barry White's Orchestra, I'm pretty sure. It's that sort of that la- uh, that first bit that leads into Kung Fu Fighting by Carl <laughs> Douglas.
2: <laughs> Nothing says romance like Kung Fu Fighting. And
3: uh, then it segues into the soul-stirring magic of dueling banjos. <laughs> uh, the understated splendor of 76 trombones. Then there's the unforgettable theme from Doctor in the House. I reckon that might have
4: been Tony that put that in.
1: It is very Tony Martin, isn't it? It's the best
3: punchline. (laughs) Uh, Then we have the indescribable beauty of those magnificent men in their flying machines. (laughs) And then the last one we hear is, of course, every lover's classic, C.W. McCall's Convoy.
1: We got a big convoy. Rocking through the night.
3: Oh my goodness. I reckon you guys
5: seriously think these are love songs. You're really into yeah. them.
1: <laughs> 76 trombones. Oh, hot.
2: <laughs> you know, when it, whenever I'm in a romantic mood, I put the monster mash on, which is another. Un-
1: well, here's a little yeah, confession. You know. When I used to produce Love Song Dedications, which was broadcast in Sydney and Melbourne. I try to squeeze in the theme from Doctor in a House occasionally.
4: <laughs> occasionally. Yeah.
1: Uh, you
4: you just
5: to just,
3: to just imagine the,
1: the love god having to intro that. Oh, I'll do an impression. Hold on. <laughs> love song dedications on Mix 106.5. We have Ramesh on the phone. And Ramesh, please tell me what you think about your love, Emma. Oh, yeah. She's a bit <laughs> of All right. And what song would you like? Ah, the theme from Doctor in the House, please (laughs) No problem (laughs) That's partially true story
4: (laughs) I'm always
5: a a fan of these segments Because there's so much um, footage of Santo and Jane Just being a couple
3: Yeah, (laughs) great. And, yeah, having to spend half a day having to shoot all those little vignettes.
1: Did you get the list of songs that were scrolling by the bottom?
3: Uh, Yeah, I did. Uh, So uh, we've got another seven in the list that, yeah, scrolled by pretty quickly. So The Road to Gundagai, uh, Autobahn (laughs) by Kraftwerk, The Monster Mash, uh, (laughs) a throwback to a few episodes ago, Cop Killer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. uh, wondering whether that's the um, uh, body count version or the Four Kinsmen version. H.R. Oh, <laughs> uh, Puffin Stuff, Tommy Kangaroo Downsport. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, last of all, an instrumental song called Mouldy Old Doe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and, Daniel, if I wanted to buy this album, what are the retailers I need to visit? <laughs> Uh, Bonnets, bonnets, bonnets,
3: which uh, hopefully is nothing like kitchens, kitchens, kitchens. Uh, Dr. Sprinkler. I know I I had to have a think about that name, Dr. Sprinkler. That's such an odd name for a, 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 like, you you, you wonder what the hell shop uh, would be called Dr. Sprinkler. Is it next to Dashboard Doctor?
4: Ah.
3: Like, if you've got a problem with your sprinkler, just buy another one. <laughs> you don't need to go and see a, do- a doctor about it.
4: That's uh, your. Uh,
2: why is there a specialist sprinkler retailer who who just goes to a shop that only sells sprinklers? <laughs> I think we're overthinking this. Guys. Maybe this is the joke here.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, uh, we'll, we'll, we might move on, unless there's one or two that <laughs> have, uh, just,
3: just, a, just a few more. So, um, I quite like this, ti- uh, this title: "The ABC Reject Shop." <laughs> <laughs> Like, for, for, for all of those British drama videos that uh, just didn't sell. Another uh, f- uh, throwback to um, the Weird Shops uh, sketch, Stacks of Slacks, and all Spud House outlets.
1: The next sketch is... Well, it's not sketch. The next bit is really Sink the Slipper has returned for the second time. And with Tony and Mick, who are about to wallop the buttocks of... Joan Kerner.
3: And there's so much uh, to lay into her about. They, they sort of they sort of preempt a fair bit of it um, going through a laundry list of, of everything they don't like.
1: Here I have, it's because of the official inquiry cleared Kerner's government from the Tri-Continental Bank disaster. Her butt is so big it's time to call in reinforcements.
3: The actual Mick Malloy uh, comes in swinging on a rope. Yeah, a very dynamic
2: entrance. It looks pretty dangerous that, like, you know, because you can see that he's, he basically gets up on a ladder, like quite high up on a ladder, and then they give him just a standard rope and then he holds onto the rope and he swings in. And, it, and he swings in quite violently. And it looks like, you know, he, if, if they'd just gone slightly off with the angle of the rope, he could have smashed into some scenery or something. He could, he could have smashed into Tony's grand. It
1: looked like he, yeah. he, he yeah. nearly smashed his ankle.
2: Yeah.
5: He does it pretty adroitly, though. It looks like maybe he's done it a few times.
2: Yeah, it, it's really exciting as an entrance, but also it genuinely looks quite dangerous. <laughs> At least there's the padding of Joan's butt nearby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Tony's grandmother joined in because uh, she lost money in the Pyramid Building Society, referenced from episode one, and uh, she's offered to kick Joan's butt.
3: And she lost a whole $29. I think most people lost 29000 <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that's a really awkward time in life for a lot of people in regards to Banks.
3: I also like how um, Mick sends uh, Tony's grandmother off. So he's very disappointed with her um, and that he had no idea that, so she went out and shot her own shit scared. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) As I mentioned before, this was happening during a Victorian state election campaign Um, and this is a really political sketch, really. It's very anti kerner Uh, And I'm I'm really amazed that it managed to get past the ABC, you know, sort of, uh, you know, thankfully they they didn't have to do a write of reply, um, you know, to the other side.
1: I'm sure it would have popped up on back (laughs) chat.
3: Yeah. The the only reason I can think that they might have uh, not uh, received any blowback is that, you know, they're an entertainment show as opposed to news and current affairs.
5: I just can't believe that uh, Joan Kerner appeared on the second series of The Late Show after having the slipper sunk into her in the first oh. series. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Spoiler alert, um, yeah, Joan Kerner didn't win. <laughs> um, so, yeah, perhaps she, she didn't care by that time, hopefully.
1: All right, well, the next sketch is a very produced one, which unfortunately didn't make it to the Best Bits DVD, and that is Bronwyn McKeownie, the Queen of the Catalogues.
5: This is a classic, isn't it? And you're yeah. right, it's a bit of a lost gem. As our most yes. that don't uh, make it to the best bits, but wow, what a corker it is!
3: Yeah, this is uh, one of the first, like very like massively produced. It looks like it was shot on film rather than you know Santos' video recorder. And yeah, one one of one of quite a few that that would have been like that. Um, I don't think it was the first because I'm, I'm thinking of um, we had one earlier on that was uh, Vietnam, the aftermath. That was also very overproduced, uh, as, as we could say.
0: And pre photoshop to have, have Jane in the catalogs looking very... Well, she fits right in, doesn't she? She's got lots of personality. She's uh, <laughs> She's got the cheeky. She's allu- alluring. And my favourite one, Mysterious, <laughs> where they just focus on her shoes. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, so the whole premise of this is that she's a catalogue model and they're comparing her to supermodels. And I love the line where she... Starts her way at the bottom and then cut to her in uh, <laughs> undies in a catalogue and then work my way up to the top and then it's a cut to her in a bra. Well, not her, but, you
3: know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's actually changed. <laughs> no. that's, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe people uh, assumed.
1: It. One of my favourite lines is uh, with Bronwyn's ex-manager, Jeff Gold, played by Rob. You know, admitting that he's made a few mistakes, and who could have predicted the flannelite boom of '89? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: There's There's, a, there's also an,
3: an, another line I like, uh, which comes from the voiceover guy, who I think it's the same guy as in the 20 inappropriate love themes that we uh, saw earlier, uh, yeah. she, where she mentions that that Bronwyn is the daughter of a Launceston fireman. <laughs> <laughs> I also
5: like one of the um, voiceover guys' lines later on where he goes, The strain of this electrical hair care shoot is starting to show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a curler in her hair and she's like starting to cry because it's hurting,
0: it's hurting, holding she's-, <laughs> she's getting RSI. <laughs> is,
2: is this like a is this a sort of a parody of that L documentary? I'm just wondering because I I don't remember the L documentary yeah, apart from us talking about it a few weeks ago. <laughs> Was there a moment where L has a kind of a meltdown in that documentary or something? It goes, "I'm uh, sick of it. I'm sick of it." <laughs> yeah. 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 I
3: I I highly doubt it because, you know, like it like that sort of thing would be very disrespectful to L to show that sort of thing in a uh, in a special that's meant to promote her.
5: But it's de- it's a, it's definitely got that feel about it that sort of um Exposé documentary behind the scenes of a model's life. There's just so many classic lines in this, like when Santo's going, the Red Spot special is covering her ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) The argument that he has with the photographer is just hilarious. And then it cuts to Jane going, I try really hard to do justice to the garments.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I like the Captain Jacuzzi bit, where she's like, "I want water in the spa," and then she's like, "No, tell Captain Jacuzzi he can't be in his own ad." <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then it, it all culminates in this um, fashion show happening in some um, in in some shopping centre. Does anybody know what shopping centre it is? Just judging from the there no, was some sort I, of I a, like, there was some sort of a sculpture in primary colours behind her. I mean, I was sort of – I was distracted more by the green and gold tracksuit that she was wearing, so.
5: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it was like in front of a Coles. Who has their centre stage in front of a Coles? It was very (laughs)
3: attractive. And the the occasional shot of a bewildered slash indifferent slash flummoxed again public.
0: (laughs) It is. She's only 32.
5: She's She's got got the world of her feet. (laughs) And the bit where (laughs) Santos calling (laughs) her on the phone at the end. And he's gone, you don't deserve to get any good news because you broke my heart. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the punchline to it all is that she's going to go into television and we see, we see her in a commercial um, for something called a swirl-on and she gets to show it to the camera mm. and say, right on, swirl-on. Was anybody reminded of the, uh, hose, uh, the with brush the with the hose in it from the, yeah. <laughs> the camera? Yes, totally.
1: The next bit is Tony and Mick and Jace on the couch, which would be muckraking, but they discuss the special, very special episode of Hey Dad, where it features the little fat kid and Aussie Joe Bugner and also Jason and Mick, who make an appearance in it too, apparently. But <laughs> they show the evidence when they show the scene of the little fat kid running into the house scared. Mr. Kelly opens the door and Mick and Jace are standing there with baseball bats.
5: Uh... <laughs> Yeah, Matt, we need this uh, product of its time sting over this segment.
1: Yeah, it is. It doesn't
5: sit well, does it? It's like they're really
3: mean. See, I I should mention what the the Hey Dad episode is. I I decided to look it up because, yeah, thankfully we can work out which one it is because it stars Ozzy Joe Budner. So it's an episode titled One Strike uh, from Season 9, Episode 2, aired on the 9th of September 1992. Uh, and the synopsis, according to IMDb, is well, there's actually two plots to this. Uh, a gang of bullies beat up Arthur so they get the help of Joe Bugner. And the family sponsor a child through World Vision. So, yeah, very odd.
4: Uh, I'm just
5: mystified that the character's name was Arthur. Like, I just always thought his name was Little Fat Kid. <laughs>
3: Yeah, just do it, doing such a lovely thing and sponsoring a child through World Vision um, and, yeah, all that other stuff is happening as well. Jeez.
2: So, <laughs> so hang on, hang on. The plot, the plot of this was that the, the little fat kid got Aussie, Aussie Joe Bugger to help him against the bullies. So there um, was an between Aussie Joe and the fat kid. I'm assuming
3: so. The only other stuff that struck out to me is Robert Hughes' pronunciation of Aussie Joe Buckner. Yeah, it yeah, was weird. Mm-hmm. And also Tony asking Mick and Jace, is, he as, uh, is Aussie Joe Buckner as good an actor as he is a boxer? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, them, them replying, yes, but that's not saying much.
1: After the little fat kid was bullied and Mr. Kelly hands Aussie Joe a uh, note or whatever it is on his door uh, and the note says and cut in a spliced in letter from the late show says dear Aussie Joe could you come over and punch the crap out of the little fat kid signed the dad from hey dad <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, this, this is it's, so it's, wrong it's not
3: It's not signed by that uh, it's not signed with the name it's just the dad from hey dad <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: It's not Martin Kinney, it's the dad from her dad.
1: And there's more of the little fat kid that has been used for motivation, such as Aussie Joe using his face on a punching bag. Ugh.
3: With with, so, with such It's the pissiest punching on that punching bag that you've ever seen in that uh,
1: in that <sighs> bit of footage. And there's Mel Meningo using a football with his face attached and an archery target.
0: I wonder what's going to happen here. It's
5: a positive <laughs> onslaught of... Yeah, it's horrible. I can't watch it.
3: I'm not watching
1: this whole scene just made me <laughs>
3: yeah.
5: I don't know
0: best
3: time. that archer. I wasn't quite sure whether that was Aaron Beaucaire or not. It looks a bit like Aaron, but I'm not too sure. I thought it's probably him. I
5: would, say. Oh, we'll, we'll,
1: yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. We're unsure it's Aaron Beaucaire or Alf Camilleri. <laughs> <laughs> Now for the next segment. Shirty, aggressive bear. And it's the second episode of Shirty and for the series. And it's featuring Muffin the sock puppet and a very pissweak sock puppet. And after Muffin bags Shirty out, Shirty attacks the puppeteer.
5: This is a great Shirty, isn't it? It's like you knew you were in for something great with shirty going forward because they were prepared to smash up the set (laughs) so it's just like it's a bit shocking because all of a sudden shirty grabs the sock puppet wrestles it out of its little hole and then sort of push it through the whole set the whole thing just explodes (laughs) and i I, because it's santo's voice is the sock puppet and i think i was trying to look hard i think it actually is santo and mm. so yeah, it is assume answer. that Shirty is Rob, it's this hilarious kind of wrestling scene with the two of
2: them. <laughs> <There> <laughs> in, I think in the later Shirty you see a proper shot of Santo as as the muffin man, essentially. And, <laughs> and- Yeah, and and like Jane Kennedy in this with her amazing colourful skivvy, he's got like an orange skivvy or something, so he he looks like a kind of children's TV presenter
1: of the era as well. (laughs) We'll move on from that, and guess what? The Olden Days, Episode 9. We want mutton chops and front-bottom inner monologues after achieving Episode 9 success, which kind of echoes the future of Anything Mick Malloy touches, <laughs> S- such as you know the Mick Malloy show from 1999, which only lasted eight episodes, and then when it he was a
2: good show because it was an amazing eight episodes, I'll tell you. Yeah. yeah,
1: and and he celebrates achieving the ninth episode when he does the nation as well. <laughs> the
4: nation, but yeah.
1: If you listen to, and this is a podcast plug, unintentional, uh, but I li- recently listened to the Herald Sun's podcast called Sacked and Mick talks about the Mick Malloy show and he talks about how his episodes, you know, he only has a certain short period of life on Channel 9. It's a really interesting podcast. If you're just going to get any episode from the Herald Sun, just get that one. That's all you need to do.
3: Just just Mick Malloy's Sacked podcast <laughs> and nothing else.
1: Now, Front Bottom is expecting TV offers such as Front Bottom's About and Hey Hey It's Front Bottom. And Crawford Productions want Judge Muttonchops in the lead role in Homicide. So he was quite wow. jealous of that.
5: Well, he did actually go to Homicide, didn't he? Isn't that the gag?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the D-Generation did take the piss out of Homicide with Degenocide back in the day. Yeah,
5: that's right.
1: Yeah. And Front Bottom accuses Olden of upstaging him by <laughs> blaming poor scripts. They are, they are, they are, and so forth. No,
3: they are not. They, <laughs> they are, are. not. They are not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a marvellous waste of time, a uh, very funny waste of time doing that. Um, yeah, very simplistic uh, argument that uh, would have been a lot more vibo- verbose in the original version.
1: And uh, from bottom, he's going to perform, or is threatening to perform, South Pacific to prove how good of a performance he can do. So that's a... <laughs> brum, brum, brum.
5: I love the line when this series is over, it's the theatre restaurant circuit for you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The lucrative theatre restaurant circuit.
5: Actually, that's a famous faux pas because uh, all the theatre restaurants pretty much closed down in the late 90s. So there's now only like one Dracula's, or maybe not even.
1: (laughs) Is it Dracula's on the Goldie? Yeah. That's a prime one. Now the next bit is Jane doing her impersonation of a cliche American singer who will release any power ballad.
2: I, I really hated this sketch. You know, I you know, they can beat up the little fat kid all they like. You know, I don't care. I, I find that quite funny, but but this song I really hated. It it really felt like sort of like a sort of really easy target and slut shaming and, and I just I just sort of didn't quite get the joke. I, I think it's it's something that maybe people from a different era found funny. But today, you know, when we're sort of all kind of sex positive and, you know, all this and, and we we understand, you know, Me Too and stuff, you know, the, the idea of being someone for trying to get ahead in her career, you know, and having to deal with kind of sexist record producers, you know, it, it just doesn't sit very well in the Me Too era, I
1: think. Well I've got a little grab here if you wanna if we can just rehash and critique. I'm
0: one of those beautiful American singers. I sing touching love songs and I keep my eyes shut. I've got a secret to my string of successes. I guess that you could say I'm just a slut. Yeah Yeah. Um, that that
3: that word just Sticks out. It just really cuts sorely. It's not very. And and, and, and and that word slut also crops up again, much further down uh, in another sketch. And yeah, it's just it's it's jarring. Uh, well, especially today. I mean, I don't know whether it was so bad in nineteen ninety two. I feel like
5: the the people that uh, are in the Dgens era are not offended by it. They used it quite um, loosely, but. I think my, my era, you know, our era, it we just, I, we were more offended by it. It was just a horrible word and it very much was about putting the woman down and, and it, you know, I think if anything this era has shown, it really, that isn't the story. You know, there's no. always some man who's <laughs> behind the scenes manipulating someone or, you know, putting them in that position. But, I mean, the narrative of this song is actually quite interesting. It isn't so much about slut-shaming. It's about a sort of a, a Cruella de kind of character who's doing whatever mm. he can to knife her mm. rivals in the back. And, and then yeah. it's quite ta- 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 taking,
3: uh, also taking advantage of that, um, you know, uh, cliched casting couch,
2: essentially. Yeah. It is slightly uncomfortable, I think, because, you know, it sort of puts down or, or sort of degrades female ambition and there's, there's nothing wrong with women being ambitious and this this song basically all turns it into kind of oh she only got there because she slept with people type thing mm. whereas it's fine to be ambitious and it sort of puts down the ambition element of it I think which I find a bit distasteful yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. The, the, the other sort of paradox about it is that um, is that Jane Kennedy sings it very well, very competently um, mm. And yeah, it's essentially it's it's sort of it's. I know it's not Jane technically; she's playing a role, but it's not it's not putting Jane in the best light, really. And unfortunately, because it's the first season, she's sort of the only one that could really
1: fulfil this role.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's also
5: a little bit too slow. It's it's a bit boring. If they just yeah. increase the tempo of it a little bit,
1: <laughs> but that defeats the purse of a ballad.
5: Oh,
1: sorry. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's a, it's a me, it's, me, to be
3: me.
2: It, it doesn't seem it's like not this, a well-written uh, sketch knowledge.
3: goes on very long. Like it's, it um, seems to be only like be over in a couple of minutes. Really,
2: I think the music could have been a lot better. Like you know, generally speaking, with comedy songs, they're they're better musically. There are some very well-written comedy songs out there. You know, the Python songs or the Goody songs or whatever. And you know, this is just a kind of badly written comedy song.
1: Straight off the synth.
2: Yeah, yeah it's,
3: right it's, it, it's pretty. It's pretty much a poem set to music. Well, we really
5: laid the boot. we really sucked the you slipper, slipper on that one, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Exactly.
1: Well done, everyone.
3: Uh, <laughs> and yeah, like, the the last thing I'll, I'll say about it is like the only sort of joke in this song that I kind of liked is referencing. <laughs> Gloria Stefan, who had a big bus crash that, you know, almost, I I think it was almost fatal, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, about the spinal injury. Yeah. Yeah. Or broke her back or something like that. Product of its time.
3: Very much so. Take take another drink. Product of its
1: time. (laughs) The next, right, and we got a Spaz family update. And Marjorie (laughs) is forced to make a mercy dash after (laughs) Athol (laughs) swallows his tri pillow. (laughs)
5: <laughs> i'm invested
1: in the spaz family now oh, like, what's
3: gonna happen next i'm so intrigued <laughs> Not I'm, I'm, more in, I'm more intrigued by the, the choice of names they're just they're, they're lovely and, and sort of old fashioned to uh,
2: to go along with that uh that image that gets put up Elias well, i assume he's named after Athol guy from the uh seekers
1: oh definitely i'm gonna try and uh when, when we work out when the last update of the spaz family is i'm going to Put together a major story list right in one of the episodes of the podcast, just to see how far they've come along. And uh, we, we can go those...
3: through we can go through the Spazzy saga. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's one of those things that we I think we all probably missed the first
5: time round, and like now it's like, mm. what is this? Oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> hey, we're missing loads of laughs and Spazzy hijinks. <laughs> So we have the next bit is a sketch and that's the Paralympic news reading with patronising news presenters.
4: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Anyone want to take think, a hit at this one?
3: Uh, I think this one really does hit its mark, really, in that yeah. especially at that time, I would say a lot less now, but, yeah, there, there would be those very patronising uh, comments that would be made by newsreaders, like, hopefully meaning well, but, yeah, ultimately looking just patronising.
5: Yeah, they really mm. nailed it, didn't they? That whole, oh, it really warms your heart. And what does Rob say mm-hmm. when he wins the award? He goes...
3: Uh, oh, God, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
5: isn't isn't just nice. They've got their own competition, just yeah. like normal people.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looks like he a bit of a sort of prototype Mike Moore there as well, which I enjoyed. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, see, it also, also, also Jane Jan is
3: red-haired as well.
2: Yeah.
3: Which is sort of going against... Um, Uh, Frontline time.
0: I did um, add up the individual scores that the countries gave and they were all correct this time. Yes. My pedantry kick.
1: Pedantry. The next segment, Mick talks about Kerry Packer showing his power after pulling the plug from Naughtiest Home Videos the week before. Now, Tony and Mick hit the streets and asking what TV show... Would you pull off the air? Which is basically what you were asking about last episode, Daniel. Now, yeah, guess what that show was. A lot of it was Chances.
2: Is I was that John Wong? No. <laughs> Sounds oh. a lot like comedy. It yeah. does, doesn't it?
4: Yeah. Oh,
3: now, oh. I, I, I heard that on the, the Champagne Comedy podcast feed um, as, as the little teaser and um, take another drink. I was because I had no idea what that was.
1: Well, there you go. That's why it's called a teaser.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, well teased. You Thanks. obviously weren't allowed to stay up and watch Chances when you were a kid. Oh, (laughs) hell no. No, not as as I was an eight-year-old at the time, so definitely not.
1: There's a Rogue episode or two on YouTube, so if you look hard enough, you'll be able to find an episode or bit, but none of Kate Langbrook's... (laughs) Isn't
2: there a DVD of, like, best episodes or something?
1: Yeah, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And, in fact, one of them was uh, they had commentary by the... Great TV historian Andrew Macardo, yeah.
3: And yeah, pro- probably like most Aussie TV uh, DVDs, they're probably long out of print.
1: They are. Yeah. Here's the list of all the shows that people wanted to be taken off the air during the street talk. Chances, 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 <laughs> chances, 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 chances. Sexy. <laughs> The Morning Show slash Today, <laughs> Chances, Naughtiest Home Videos, Colette Mann, <laughs> uh, Sale of the Century. And there was a woman who loved Naughtiest Home Videos and uh, yeah. the producer, Mark Gibson, said The Late Show. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: but my favourite is... Sexist. <laughs> Which
3: I reckon, I reckon that, that might have been a reference to the sex specials, I think.
1: I think so, yeah. Sexist. <laughs> He <laughs> was so enthusiastic about it. It's like, what show? Sex.
4: <laughs> we have
5: no idea what that is, but you like it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah. there was that guy. Um, well, one one of the friends of Sexy was trying to describe the morning show uh, to the yeah. Today Show with Steve Liberman and Lawrence. <laughs> that's so.
0: Liz Hayes.
1: Yes. I
0: don't know what they're talking about. It goes over my head. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: It's like, isn't it fascinating that? Like just unprompted, there was a good seven or eight people who who just said chances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm from Adelaide. Chances, chances. chances.
0: chances.
4: chances. <laughs> I
0: like the totally editing song, and there's a really good pause <laughs> where the guys going, oh, it's hard to
2: say. Uh, maybe chances. <laughs> Sex <six. laughs> my favorite bit is is i can't remember how they get talking about ernie sigley and then one of them says yeah, yeah. have you heard him sing and the guy goes oh shit no yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, everyone just loves- I, I'm doubly amused by this because i am actually the owner of an ernie sigley album and i have heard him sing and he and he is not great i'm
4: gonna
1: <laughs> that's unfortunate
2: uh- what? I
0: also like the uh, the Sailor of the Century. One of them doesn't like, the old man doesn't like Sailor of the Century and the other, the other go- old guy's going... Sexy. The goes, Let me start that bit again. Sorry. The, the old man who doesn't know who Glen Ridge or Joe Bailey are That's and the other f- guy go going, they're the corn Oh, you don't know how these <laughs> the- people <blah.">
1: are. You know, <laughs> I think that, that that guy, the one who said... Sexy was the one who in a future episode or might have been hanging around the same area where it was talking about the Australian National Anthem and he's going to 150 years.
4: Uh, oh, yes.
1: Well, he was wearing the same suit, so it might be the <laughs> the brown yeah, suit.
5: Although they often go to Ackland Street in um, the more famous street talks, but this one definitely seemed like Glen Huntley Road, which is sort of near the Elsonwick Studios. I'm not sure, but it had really... It had a couple of um, key landmarks like Le Bon Cake Shop, which is pretty famous. But also, did you see the sign for Fossies? Like that's
1: yeah. Le bon. <laughs> another
3: product of its time.
1: Oh, <laughs> I love so, Fossies.
5: My favourite bit in this street talk was the guy, the guy who's wearing a bandana, and um, he's talking about the show he doesn't like, and then Mick just goes, yeah, so more pirate shows on TV? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
1: th- Didn't that end up in the best bits? Probably. Yeah.
3: As did the the one person who liked Naughtiest Home oh. Videos. Quote, especially the fellas with the hats. Now, has, has anybody actually watched Naughtiest Home Videos since our last episode? Hell no.
1: No. Because uh, no, we-
3: the, the, the fellas with the hats is this essentially it's it's almost burlesque like it's essentially four naked men uh, each holding two hats um, sort of covering their genitals up with it and then sort of moving it in time to um, and th- this is the kicker moving in time to the song all around my hat by Steel I spam <laughs> <What? laughs> I know it's it's such a, a again flummoxing but very entertaining especially when one of the uh, men, um, loses the rhythm and accidentally puts his hat in a wrong position <laughs>
1: God, It reminds me of those uh, naked guys on Hey Hey Saturday for red faces.
3: Yeah, yeah pretty pretty yeah. much a, a similar sort of a thing but yeah this, this was, I mean I don't know what this would have been performed in the context of but uh, yeah somebody shot it with a home video and decided that uh, it's good enough for Channel 9 on Saturday at 6.30 <laughs> And when this lady. I thought, was, I thought geez, I'll, I'll send it in. And I won't even uh, send in the, the check or
0: money order for them to send it back. The lady who was uh, loving that show, clutching her bag, she got so coy and she's just giggling like a schoolgirl when she's talking about that sketch. And then Mick just goes, oh, yep, we the old genitalia, do you? <laughs> <laughs> And her friend is just, has just never seen it. She's like, oh, no, I never saw it. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing, lady.
5: The other exchange I really love is the conversation that Mick has with the delivery guy, and he's—they're talking about chances. And he says, "No, no, I don't like it. They don't show enough front." Yeah. <laughs> and then Mick recommends to him to hire from the video shop, Naked Aerobics. Yeah. <laughs> and Woo-hoo. then he says, "There'll probably be a late fee out on that one." <laughs>
2: He I, I like, said something like, I found it very satisfactory. and I think you know where
3: way you're heading. It, it would have been either that or sexy girls with sexy guns.
4: Sexy
1: <laughs> The next segment is Talking Crap with Justin Chardonnay, Tony, and his guest Nigel Ryan Risling, Jason, from the <laughs> Arts Council. So we're, we're going to talk like this the entire segment. Very they...
5: accurate depiction of the
2: Arts Council, I think. Oh,
1: oh yeah. Did any of them and... know
2: Brett? <laughs> well, yeah, I quite exactly. enjoyed how, um, how Tony looked a lot like um, James Valentine as well.
4: Yeah. Which, <laughs> that kind oh, of
1: look,
3: okay, again, vibe. Yeah, again with, with those glasses, same as the, the Who Knew Brett Best sketch from episode one, he looks the most <laughs> like uh, Griff Reese jones uh, that, that he ever does with, <laughs> uh, with the, the, the big glasses and that.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: This whole sketch with the premise of it being a couple of dodgy jokes About stomping ground though It was a bit of a, I don't know, low light
1: Yeah, they spoke about grant money And in order to get the money You need to have a full overblown and misguided concept Just like Graham Murphy's four and a half hour production of Empire of Pato <laughs> 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 To cost a three million See,
2: I I can totally imagine that a a 90s um, sort of, um, you know, Adelaide festival would in fact have a production very close to Empire of Pate because I remember going along seeing stuff a bit like that. Well, not not quite Empire of Pate, but I remember it being in the program, you know, and Philip Glass music and all all those kind of, you know, 1990s artsy things. They're all referenced in this. The gigantic uh, Salada. (laughs)
3: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they, they managed to get uh, a few good jokes in there like um mm. uh what was it a, a statue of uh brett whiteley or richard stubbs i haven't decided <laughs>
1: uh, there's an obscure joke about obscure andrew joke. mcfarlane as well so yeah don't know what that was all about oh yeah, yeah i
0: actually have um in my uh september 26th TV week, there's an article that references um, Andrew McFarlane, but basically he gave an an interview to uh, the gay magazine um, Outrage back in 1992, and he claims his quotes were taken out of context, and that he never actually went out and and discussed his sexuality, and that his um, answers were... um, the, the actual quote was that he says, um, I've never made a statement declaring my sexuality or indeed any intimate aspect of my private life. It is disgraceful that a person's private life and reputation should be misrepresented by the press-making statements that could easily harm the individual concerned." So he, he reckons that after this interview, a lot of the newspapers took his quotes uh, out of context and the, the magazine itself. So that's all allegedly. So well,
3: but <laughs> but we'll, well, see, w- Wikipedia... Um, says the the Wikipedia page for Andrew McFarlane says just he has long been open about his homosexuality but did he he admit I mean I I, I don't recall seeing a citation needed next to that
1: but did he admit that he was in patrol boat
3: (laughs) well certainly uh, Wikipedia makes no bones about it
1: (laughs) but he did play the automatic teller machine in a future olden days episode <laughs> Next segment: shit scared and safety with guns. This was a very Arumbocare specialty, wasn't it? This episode.
4: I actually find
5: this episode really scary. <laughs> I know that's lame, but yeah, no, that's it's not uh... not
1: too lame because I think it's we're now fully uncomfortable with the fact that anything to do with guns, it's now just why.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. And, and guns were easy to obtain before. Everything happened,
5: and you know, there's all those urban myths, I suppose, or maybe they are factual, of like actors being actually killed by stunt guns. You know, like well, it's, it's,
3: it's, it's it's not a myth. I mean, wasn't Brandon Lee probably most famous? Really? Yeah. Most famous oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on, on the on the set of The Crow.
1: Yeah, well, the, the movie that uh, Rob is talking that they're trying to do a stunt for is the sequel to Storm Boy. Now here's a quick description. The movie they're working on is Stormboy, the sequel, and he's nursing a Pelican back to health, and then he's going to shoot it. So it's <laughs> yeah. aimed at the US market. And Stormboy yeah, is played I, I love
3: I, I love how, how blase they are about well, you know, like it's for the Americans, so guns, guns, guns. Yep. <laughs>
1: Stormboy yeah. is Mel Gibson. The black tracker is Danny Glover. And grandmother is Michelle Pfeiffer.
3: Okay. I love the way how Rob
5: describes it as a, a light pelican movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they yeah,
1: have he, stunt He, he
3: also says that, he says that the Americans know how to pitch pelican movies.
1: <laughs> but yeah, this one was weird because of what happens at the end.
5: Yeah, yeah. so like the next scene is Rob gets yeah. shot in the chest. And that's actually what I found really quite shocking, even though, you know, it's a great stunt, I suppose. It's like... Oh God! And I've often heard that um, comedians won't let their kids watch them on their old shows. You know, they won't sort of bring that out until they're like eighteen or something. And you know, I think oh. and if I was one of the Stitch children, I probably wouldn't want to watch that. It's terrible. <laughs> it's just terrifying, and it's quite an effective blood pack that explodes on his chest.
4: Mm.
3: The surprising thing about all of it is that it's such big explosions and such big moments. Captured on such an intimate home video device, essentially. So you're like cool. you're, you're you're not expecting a big explosion on you know such a, a a crappy medium.
1: But you see the very end of that sketch in a compilation montage type thing at the end of best bits of the Late Show episodes during the credits, yeah. where Rob's head gets shot off.
3: Yeah. Also very effective. Yeah. It also gets brought up um, later on. Uh, in a sketch that also features, um, well, uh, by now, Dr. Aaron Beaucaire as an example of uh, violence on TV. The DJ doing their part for violence there. The other thing uh, which is kind of interesting about this is after the first time that Mick accidentally shoots Rob, Rob uh, starts a sentence, never, ever, and Tom finishes it, uh, never, ever work with Mick. And uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob replies... That was gratuitous, accurate but gratuitous. <laughs> and from memory, I think they say on the DVD commentary that that was a bit of a reference to a time when they had Bob Hawke in uh, their radio studio when they were doing their breakfast show. Bob Hawke said in relation to some other jo- uh, some other joke that they said that uh, you know it was uh, funny but wrong. Not 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 a very funny anecdote, but
1: uh... <laughs> that's all right. Hold on, hold on. Here's a sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Sound
3: effects can save
1: Thank you, Murray. Now, the next segment is Tom and Jane and Santo on the couch. Now, this is a bit different from what they usually do because they're talking about fast food takeaway and they pretty much break down what you would usually eat on a Saturday night to watch the late show. And Jane prefers the Big Mac. And Tommy puts the pickle under the microscope just to show what they've been eating and up on the pickle or on the screen, it says, danger, do not eat. That's a... Uh... Yeah, as,
3: as Jane says, she's a McDonald's woman and a pickle woman.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And
3: I can't believe pickle
5: the advertising on the ABC. Yeah.
1: yeah, especially when Tommy uh, gives KFC or Kentucky Fried Chicken... A bit of a run. Going through the entire bucket, he goes, he prefers the refresher towel.
4: Yeah,
3: at least least with with these uh, brand mentions, at least McDonald's and KFC get a really good
0: kicking. Yeah, he does say it comes in a bucket for good
1: reason. (laughs) (laughs) But my favourite, though, is Santo, when he's asked what he prefers and he says, and I quote, us wogs don't do takeout. We prefer to sell it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it gets a great round of applause from the audience too.
1: They ha- he has the Capricosa pizza, which is the go-to, with the anchovy remover. So in- where he lifts yeah. up an anchovy and it's it attached to a string. So, more Nothing or less a- like
3: a crappy prop. Yes. Th- yeah. Thank you.
1: That- that's what it was. Now we have a very, very popular sketch, and that is the 1992 Pop Black Championships with Mick versus Eddie Charlton. Yeah. This is
5: probably my favourite Mick Malloy bit on the whole Late Show.
1: Ah, oh, nice Kim. Kim has put up on oh, her yeah. on her background an image of Mick, pretty much poking Mick Kim's back <laughs> with the cue stick.
0: Sorry, using the poop stick. He's <laughs> 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 not really in that one, but that was that was one of those quotes that um, I'm sure a lot of us would have said in the playground the next day. The poop stick, and I think at that point I'd never actually played. Pool and, and when, when I actually went and did the first time, we were like, bring out the poop stick. We got so excited. <laughs> I,
4: I, can,
3: I can remember at high school uh, one time for PE, uh, we went to a, a pool place that was nearby to, to essentially play pool. And, yeah, I could not get these lines out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right away then, right away, is it?
1: Eddie Charlton, what a great player and team player for this sketch really Especially
2: I really like him as well the the guy playing the referee he he's just absolutely brilliant at at kind of siding with charlton and you know <laughs> a slightly snooty kind of overseer he he's really good as well but they are quite great because it's very non-verbal
4: yeah that whole
5: um exchange where mick calls for the chalk and he's like you should put it on some string so some idiots don't steal it and then he to the guy's uh acting beside him was really great in that moment
3: oh uh, another line that uh, just watch the roll down eddie savage <laughs> <laughs> again i could i could not stop saying these throughout throughout my 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 crappy playing of pool for school eddie charton is again a very good sport because right at the end uh, with Mick winning the game, he de-pants himself and runs yeah. around the table. Yeah, which is tradition. Yeah. So I'm, I'm imagining the conversation that would have had to go on. Look, Eddie, uh, we want to end
2: this sketch uh, <laughs> with you and your de-pants. Uh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. Just wear some big white boxer shorts, it'll be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, make
2: sure make sure it's
3: the good underpants.
1: The next segment is The Toilet Break with Jace, and he introduces the natural seven, Fly Me to the Moon.
4: Feel my heart resolve, and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long, for all I worship and adore. In other yeah, words...
1: Apparently, wow. that happened in 2001, so we should should be on the moon right now.
4: Yeah,
2: not dressed like that, we're not.
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> the
2: yeah. Costumes just,
3: in this toilet break, unbelievable.
5: Yeah. It's, it's just, like
2: Star Trek on acid. It, it's really it, mad.
3: It's such a letdown from last week's Son of a Preacher Man. But like, that it was really was. funky. It was really funky and freak out. here. Yeah, yeah. this is just.
5: Straight back oh my to God. yeah, yeah. And the, the shame of this particular toilet break is there's absolutely no dancing. No. They just simply swivel around in their chairs, like a
1: really dodgy <laughs> yeah. Star Trek setup. Yeah.
4: Mm. yeah,
2: the bloke being sort of Captain Kirk is also he's sitting in this big chair and he looks really incredibly uncomfortable and he just sort of really stiffly sits there singing his song in very very deep voice yeah tom jones wannabe yeah yeah. it's got a really weird vibe to it because i think probably because there's no choreography and because it's so downbeat and they're in these stupid outfits
3: (laughs) (laughs) and also uh the fact that they they sing this song for most of the time as it was except for some sort of a it's some sort of a, a bridge uh, in it which I don't think is part of the original song where they oh, talk about how... It's a total of it, massacring of just... <laughs> flying me to the moon. And, like, they, they sing about, like, isn't it a miracle that with are the generation that'll fly to the moon and uh, <laughs> isn't it enough to make you proud to be a man? Oh, gross.
1: Yeah. Sh- <laughs> showing,
3: showing its 70s origin there.
1: Now, we have time for a news update and Lebanese soldiers go on the attack against a sworn enemy of the people. No! I joke, to, that yeah, one. Yeah, fantastic. And Denmark citizens celebrate National Dickhead Day with the footage of people wearing oval-shaped yellow helmets that look like knobs. The Princess of Wales demonstrates her natural warmth and affinity with the young and cue a little scene of a gifted flowers being thrown into a bin. And
3: it got absolute absolute silence from the audience and seriously so. Again, not as bad bad bad. as uh, the the, the, the Queen Mother uh, being given a sign that says, die, you old bag, but gee,
1: it's pretty up there. Yeah. So the UN met to discuss the Siski Massacre and was met with a minute of silence except for the South African representative who insisted on singing rugby songs. And Mr Van Handel, uh, Santo who ordered the soldiers to execute, responds to the criticism by shooting the camera.
3: Again, it was it was making a, a, a salient point, but not a funny one. Yes.
4: <laughs>
1: so the president of Turkistan resigns, sorry if I've said that incorrectly, after telling his people to stop wearing their traditional headdress and use the environmentally friendly plastic version and it shows footage of men in raincoats. That's really uh, just, yeah, wrong product of its time.
3: Yeah, a, a product of trying to find a gag
1: to just fit any old footage. Yeah, war jokes yeah. and misery. Uh, yeah. It was the
0: second bandana joke of the episode with the Willie Nelson bandana and there's the pirate guy earlier on in the street interviews.
1: <laughs> yeah. And here's another one. Uh, in Ireland, four men who are being held hostage in Beirut are reunited and they are made to feel at home when they get together and they show footage of feet chained together. Tasteless, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I mean, I'm saying try... tasteless. Is it? It's like a.
4: Well,
3: yeah. I mean, I mean, just this this whole news day, uh, news update segment. Um, yeah, it's just it's making a lot of jokes out of a lot of very serious news. And the, the 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 other sort of weird thing is that this comes on very very late in the episode. I think this might be with maybe about ten fifteen minutes to go. Yeah. Really. And yeah, considering all of the material, it really should have been cut.
1: Well, the next one, I am not uh, going to dive too much into it, but as a lot of it was visual, and it's about the Paralympics rocked by a drug scandal, and I think I might skip this one.
4: Mm.
1: About the shop water. Yeah. So mutual agreement. We all just move on from that one.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Fair call, fair call. That's pretty much it of the news desk. And now we have Mick...
3: It's, and- it's, it's over very quickly, thankfully.
1: Yeah. And we have part two of a quick little gag of the snooker competition again with Mick and Eddie Charlton. And Mick goes, best out of three, Eddie. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then yeah. Mick us and then Eddie goes and breaks a, or attempts to break a cue stick of a mix back.
5: <laughs> yeah, then goes for it a second time. Yeah. It really did seem like a walloping.
1: <laughs> okay, and guess who's back?
4: Jerry,
1: a brightly, aggressive bear. And it's time to look through the square window. Maybe they'll see a fire engine. <laughs>
3: yeah, and Toby wants to look through the window as well, and uh, boy, does he. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sure she to be helpful to Toby, isn't it? You know,
1: he was being very yeah, was supportive. Right yeah. uh, I love
5: the way they've directed the kid because he looks like it looks like he's been told to act like he's completely in love with Jane. Like, have you seen the look on his face? It's just like, oh, I really want to
3: stand next to Jane.
1: should <laughs> ask him now how he feels. So,
3: yeah, Toby gets, um, I think the technical term is defenestrated. Is that the, <laughs> is that the, is that the, the name for, for going through a window? <laughs> the glass that the window's made out of looks like that very breakable sort of, I think it's called sugar glass. Mm, it's, uh, that's, that's used in, in props.
1: Very Aaron beaucaire. So we have Graham and the Colonel. And there's a, a very extensive agenda of topics that they try to cover. And, and, now he, and,
3: no, and no time to dally either.
1: No, yes. Now, is this where you're a <laughs> bit pedantic on this? about Mr. Andre, insert name here. No? Agassi. No? How, how do you pronounce it? Agassi. Because Santo, sorry, the colonel says Agassi. <laughs> Oh, oh, so that, now, check I'm, that
3: out. now I'm not sure it's whether
2: I'm getting it right or wrong now.
1: No, I, I think no, it's but, Agassi. No, no,
2: it was always Agassi. It, mm. The commentators would always say Agassi, and I'm wondering if Agassi is maybe the Italian pronunciation.
1: Oh, yes, because of his background. I didn't even think about that.
3: Yeah, uh, I decided to just uh, Google Andre Agassi pronunciation. Uh-oh. And it brings um, up a YouTube video. Hang on, I'll just yeah, I'll bring, it up, I'll bring it up on my phone so that uh, you can all hear it. We're learning so much this
2: episode.
1: Well, this podcast, other than to review, make fun of, critique and cringe, it's also to educate. Yeah. So give us a five-star rating on iTunes and any podcast uh, platform that you listen to for us, please.
3: So I'm going to play it, hold it up to so the things. Hopefully you'll hear it.
0: <laughs> Andre Agassi.
1: Agassi.
0: It's
1: probably going to say Andre
2: it again. Agassi. There we go. Agassi. Andre Agassi. Oh, shut up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You
2: know, I can imagine the would say Agassi or something like that.
1: You know, that makes sense. Mm. Well, they describe him as a very flamboyant character.
5: I do that was the bit um, where Rob goes, there's so much to get through, unfortunately.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Well, I can list yeah, up
2: Again, they're really, they're really trying to fill the time, which is why he keeps talking about we're not and, you know, we've got all this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the conviction of the Jeff Fennick assault. This is all back in its time. Not now. Back in its time. And it came down to a split decision. Oh, Jesus.
3: Yeah. I, I, I didn't mind that joke just because it's a boxing reference, really.
1: Yeah. But he had character references, Mike Tyson, Don King, and as uh, the Graham says, one is in jail and one should be. (laughs) (laughs) Then they talk about (laughs) the racing. Let's Elope got scratched, and then there was something about a spring joke. Someone in the audience got it.
5: Yeah, someone really laughed in this bit, didn't
1: they? Yeah, Greyhound season was over. Uh, There was 23 starts (laughs) and no placings. They have over-raced the chihuahua.
5: Is that the bit where Santo goes? It still rankles me, Graham.
4: Yep.
0: They've got the checklist of things that they have to um, tick off. and Have we done that thing unsuccessfully? Oh, but we have done
4: Well,
1: <laughs> well here's the thing. I actually got a snippet of that because of mainly what happens with Graham. Have we done the tennis? We've done the tennis. Have we done the Phoenixing? Unsuccessfully, but we did that. Have we done Just yeah, that really laugh where it loses it. <laughs>
0: He just hits, his head
5: hits the desk, doesn't it? Yeah. Also, Rob and Santo do some really excellent dog miming in this Graham and the Colonel sketch. There's this hilarious bit where Rob's got his hands up as ears, dog ears, and he's like, they're flying behind his head. It is just hilarious. It's a very visual thing. If you ever see this Graham and the Colonel, I'm
2: telling you, <laughs> dog miming.
1: Dog miming the key. Cool. Cool. <laughs> And then that, they
2: That and the long list of dogs they've tried to race, like Cocker Spaniels and,
4: you know... Oh, that's
1: Diamond Star. Diamond Star the Cocker Spaniel.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: She was only slowed down because of her ears, though, so... You've got to give them credit for trying. And then they ended up saying one little political thing, which was the Arab-Israeli land for peace deal, and it has the colonel flummoxed.
3: Yeah, this this <laughs> is a subject ripe for comedy.
1: yeah. Because the colonel wants to know where does Alibaba and the forty thieves fit in, and yeah, yeah, that's a joke. Yeah, Yeah. but it's did
2: lead into the timeshare joke.
1: Oh yes, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like the timeshare joke, which in a weird way would sort of be a solution to the Arab-Israeli conflict. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what they say, isn't it? They
0: say that all of this stuff that's going on with trying to negotiate, and the colonel, he's just come up with the solution. And the great yeah. thing is that you can, if you don't want to do those two weeks, you can swap them for another occupied territory.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Club, Club
2: Yarrawonga again.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's a very serious subject that's being milked for, for very silly jokes.
1: Now we have the closing, and that's uh, with the ever-expanding Bert Newton gallery. Even with Bert watch the, from the Bert Newton Appreciation Society. That was years before Facebook and fan sites. <clears throat> oh yeah. yeah although
4: although, although
3: that, that's—it's probably an early example of uh, what would be termed zines. Yes. Mm, yeah. yeah. Which is like it's sort of like a home, your know, homemade magazine, essentially. Mm. You know, put yeah. put together with uh, you know a, a bit of cheap desktop publishing software and a few photocopiers.
1: Well, I'm pretty mm. confident. You know if that if the current technology didn't exist. Uh, champagne comedy would be in that category
0: oh yeah that's right <laughs> and, and if you do look up and watch you find it online um, there's one reference it's available at the monash University library oh fantastic <laughs> Yay. Um, so well, that's Mike, the only reference on all of the internet
1: if someone can borrow <laughs> it and then scan it you know for off-site archiving purposes because you never know what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Love to see. I, a couple to
3: see. I want to see Bert's wonderful world of wonder, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. if you if you if you pause that uh, uh, Tony Martin uh, holding up the page there, for some reason it's got a picture of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes. And also some sort of a big headline that says, What are you doing about it? <laughs> so like I'm sort of I'm 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 wondering if that bird watch is an actual well actually if it's in if it's in Monash uh, library then it must be an actual thing and not a joke. Yeah, dead set real. Yep. Mm. I
4: did love nope. that
3: Tony's
5: line. Australia's top artists have abandoned the Archibald and are going for
3: the bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we should we, we should probably talk about that a little bit because there's there's quite a lot of submissions to the uh, Burt Newton art prize, mm. as uh, as Tony uh, calls it, um, which like it does show there's enough people watching this uh, this show that yeah. they that, that they would voluntarily submit their pictures of Moonface,
4: just yeah. like like, mm-hmm. like
3: out of something like I think it had only been. A couple of weeks, and you know, like it was just a you know a, probably a throwaway thing, and yeah, suddenly people are submitting full artworks. Well,
2: yeah, my question um, is, you know, whatever happened to the Berta and and all these other artworks? Are they in the Monash Library? You know, <laughs> yeah. the more important exactly.
5: question. <laughs> why? Are
1: why aren't they sitting right next to blue poles in Parliament House?
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on, National Gallery, get your act together. We want to see the birds.
3: <laughs> when we get, when we get, not if, when we get somebody from Working Dog on this show, that's going to be question number one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where, where, we go? Go? where are
1: those birds? Top priority. Okay, everyone, on Twitter, and make sure you tag us TLS Champagne. Send a tweet to Tony or Jane or Tom or Working Dog and ask where are the bird heads. Um,
2: well, hey yeah and and also, now. yeah also reference in Monash University Library and the National Gallery of Australia into the <laughs> twist.
1: yes and, and you could win a copy of any questions for ben, an unopened DVD from a two dollar shop. <laughs>
3: <laughs> while, while, while you're at it, tag in the National Film and Sound Archive too yes. Yeah, because if Martin Beloyer yeah. get
5: in there, Where are the Burt's?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we want our Burt's <laughs> I'm seeing a spin-off Burt podcast coming up
4: Oh gosh yeah. <laughs> And so
1: also we have one worst album cover Which is Los Indios Tabarajas Ro- Rogers That's <laughs> in Spanish I'm yeah. sorry.
4: <laughs> There's
5: ten trams in there, all from Hawaii Five O. Yes.
1: <laughs> and anyone, any little Easter egg from our Mr. Favorite Hirsch?
5: No, I didn't see that one, but I did see sending your birds right at the end. Oh. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. notice the credits uh, did drop out for like a split second when that happened too.
4: Oh.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that they, they put in Send In Your Birds. It, it's sort of, it's to the late show what uh, keeps circulating the tapes is to uh, Mystery Science Theatre 3000. Mm. <laughs> um, and, yeah, Ma- Michael Hirsch was in there. Uh, his credit was, better you don't ask, Michael Hirsch.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what does that mean?
4: Maybe it was John yeah.
1: Kerner's ass.
0: I think uh, Bert Newton, from what I've read, he isn't very well at the moment. So, best wishes to Bert to get oh, better yeah.
2: soon. Yeah, if you follow Patty Newton on Instagram, you can see pictures of Bert in hospital. He, he's been in hospital recently. I, I'm not entirely sure why, but yeah, not not well. Get well, Bert.
1: Yes, get well, Bert.
2: There's B- Patty Newton's most recent Instagram showing Bert Newton in hospital. Ah.
1: Oh. Oh nice! No. Yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway, sorry. Go
1: on. Anyway, here's Belford here. All <laughs> no, right, Moira, that's it. <laughs> anyway, here's Moira. So, audience tickets and Myrtle Woods is standing with Mick and Tony. With Tony asking what he thought of his grandmother's impression, and Mick responds, "Is it's like looking into a mirror." <laughs> And that pretty much uh, wraps it up, this, uh, the episode, yeah. Yeah,
3: pretty, pretty much. Uh, Tony also makes a, a little bit of a flub saying, uh, write, uh, no, sorry, Paul, don't write in because you'll make a dick of yourself.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> really,
3: Tony, language in front of, in front of your grandmother.
1: <laughs> Swear jar. <laughs> that pretty much wraps everything up. And you know what? Yeah. I'm going to squeeze in just one little thing. We didn't get any extra entries for the best late show quote. Mm-hmm other than uh well we we've got we've got these four i made love to her like a tiger uh great from uh dominic how i is ladies and gentlemen do you believe in mental telepathy no i hear you think
4: you
5: can say what you want about me
1: yep and oh and there's also this late entrance
0: Thank you very much. Welcome to the late show, coming live to you around Australia on the ABC. And how much does it cost our viewers these days? Eight cents
4: a day. Eight cents a and day. I promise you will be getting your eight
2: cents worth tonight.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it just shows that. So you are a very early entrant.
2: <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, I,
3: I don't think you're eligible kim
1: <laughs> send us your best quotes it helps send us your best on twitter as well uh but email champagne late show at gmail.com with uh, your voice recording or send us a tweet at at tls champagne or visit our website champagnecomedy.com and hit us up in the forum if you want uh or visit facebook the late show or was it? FB.com slash champagne comedy um, Other than that, yeah, this is the final episode for 2020 When we've recorded this Just in case you're listening to this in 2021 Or maybe you're listening to this on the moon So <laughs> 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 the
4: moon, and I I the yeah.
2: <laughs> I imagine when Andy Thomas was up there That was, he just had that on a loop Yep my
1: and let me forevermore. that's Andy Thomas
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're still continuing on doing all the episodes so we still have another 31 to go so thank you for <laughs> bearing with us I just want to say uh, we'll be back next year uh, mid-January um, we'll have some more but stay subscribed because I plan to release some little extra bits and pieces, fingers crossed, okay? So you'll get a little bit, some some more surprise. I just want to say thank you very much, Alison. Thank you very much, Prue. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you very much, Kim. Also, thank you as well, Tony, who is our casual drop-in. He will return next year. And we yep. do have a few guests that um, I have promised offline. They're still coming. Just I thought, we'll wait till the next year and start it all over again. So we've got a bit of a lineup, up a lot of fans who are willing to be part of this podcast as well.
3: And thank you, Matt.
1: All good, yeah. thank yeah.
3: you. Yeah, you're, thank you're, you the, you're the one that, that manages to, to edit whatever this is into uh, into something a bit more coherent.
1: Oh, clearing out yeah. all the legal mumbo-jumbo.
3: <laughs>
1: and, <laughs> and also to please the Water keys <laughs> out there. <laughs>
3: Yeah, there's a there's a few things on on this week's uh, this fortnight's episode that um, are going to hit the cutting room for um, which uh,
4: <laughs>
3: I save we're, it all. We're very yeah. privileged the uh, the four of us to hear.
1: Thank you, the listener, the, on the podcast, and thanks for the putting listeners. up. Yep, <laughs> just the one. Just yeah. the one. Yep. Well, if I download it twice, that makes it more. So, cheers, and we'll catch you in the next episode. See you in about a month's time.